All right, Acts chapter one in your Bibles this evening. Did everybody get a bull or a, an outline uh, to fill out? Anybody need one? If you need one, uh, Pastor David, if you could track those down, keep your hand up if you need to get one, and uh, Pastor David will get you one there. Uh, Acts chapter one tonight, and uh, the sermon this evening is going to be the last sermon. At least I think it's going to be the last sermon in our uh, series on the generosity of God's grace. I hope the series has opened your eyes a little bit and helped you to see uh, just uh, how God wants us to live. He wants us to live by His grace. Anybody else need an outline there? All right, it looks like we've got things pretty well covered. Uh, so um, uh, it won't seem like it's part of the series. The whole uh, This sermon will seem like a misfit in the series, but I think you'll see how it ties in by the time we get down toward the end of the uh, message here. Let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. Acts chapter number 1, and let's look at verse 6, and we'll read down through verse 11. Stand together once you found that with me, please. When they therefore were come together, verse 6 says, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up and behold, rather in a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee. Why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. These people that stood there and watched him go up into the heavens would be the leaders of uh, the, the first church there in Jerusalem and then would s- spread out and be the leaders of the church, many churches of that first uh, century. And so uh, God had, or Jesus had trained them and prepared them uh, to be church leaders. Tonight's message is entitled this, The Importance of the Local Church. The Importance of the Local Church. I know everybody here tonight believes in church or you wouldn't be here. But we're going to look at some things tonight and just kind of re- be reminded of how important our church is in the day, especially in the day and age in which we live. Let's pray. Lord, help us tonight to understand the sermon. Help us to be encouraged by it, motivated by it. And Lord, help our church to be a church that is a a hub of your grace that gives that out to people in plenty. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Question was once asked, can I be a Christian without joining a church? The answer came back, yes, it is possible, but it is something like being a student who will not go to school, a soldier who will not join the army, a citizen who does not pay taxes or vote, a salesman with no customers, an explorer with no base camp, a seaman on a ship without a crew, a businessman on a deserted island, an author without readers, a tuba player without an orchestra, a parent without a family, a football player without a team, a politician who is a hermit, a scientist who does not share his findings, or a bee without a hive. Can you be a Christian and not join a church? 
Yes, but you'll be like one of those. One thing is for certain. If you look around our culture at large and you study uh, a church, uh, the, the church era in the United States of America in uh, uh, the time in which we live. And that is this. The church attendance is on a, sh- a sharp and steep decline countrywide. OK, across the country, church attendance numbers are not going up. They're going down. I believe I read uh, uh, recently that the average church has less than 50 in attendance, less than 50 in attendance. While our church is going and growing, praise the Lord, White Oak Baptist Church is the exception to the rule and it is not the rule. Churches are not growing. Churches are shrinking. Now, Jesus Christ gave the assignment to the church to be the station where we get our lights together We get charged up and then we go out and we attack the darkness. That is what we're supposed to do. We are to attack the darkness and church is an area where it all comes together and it all works together. Now, have you ever seen one of these um, uh, horse pull competitions where there were ox pull competition where they'll put a weight on the back of an ox and they'll have that ox pull the weight and the weight will move up and become harder to pull. And you'll find out what the strongest couple of oxes can pull. And then if you put both of those oxes in a yoke together, oxen in a yoke together and you have them pull, they will pull more weight uh, uh, together than they could separately with those numbers combined. We call that synergy. And when we get together as Christians, we can do more together than we all could do individually alone. The local church is vital. The local church is necessary. The local church body must do everything within its power to propagate the gospel to the lost and encourage the saved to continue to grow in the Lord. And if there's ever been a time in our history where the church has been important, today is that time. The the, the darkness of the world grows darker and the church Their light ought to shine brighter as a result. And our church must do all that it can to reach the community. And as God's grace flows down on us and then flows through us to the world, we should be able to see people come in here hand over fist uh, and and be reached uh, with the truth of the gospel. Here's the truth. Sin is out there attacking and hurting and slicing and cutting people down left and right. And we ought to be that salvation station where people can come in and get help. They can get help when they are hurting. So tonight we're going to look at five aspects of the church and let's jump right in there. If you're taking notes, number one, notice a commissioned church, a commissioned church. Let's jump in right here and notice letter a, his completed work. His completed work. Uh, quickly, uh, uh, well, uh, I'll tell you what, for uh, time's sake tonight, I'm not going to have you quite hop all over the place like I normally do. Uh, but if you want to try to turn over when you see the verse pop up on the screen or you can get ahead in your notes there, that's great. But I'm just going to read John 19:30. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said this, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The truth is that the work that brings about salvation, it is completed. It is finished. 
It is done. We don't uh, believe that the Lord's Supper turns into the body and blood of Christ for many reasons. But one of those would be that uh, that would mean that the work on the cross was not yet done. It is done. It is completed. He cried, it is finished. Sin had been paid for. The wrath of God had been absorbed in him. Uh, The consequences for our sins had been experienced. He died for our sin. He rose from the dead three days later. The work of Christ that brings about salvation, it is completed. It is done. Letter B, notice his continued work. His continued work. So we looked at his completed work, that which was done on the cross. There's still work to be done, though, to, to make sure people know about the completed work of Christ. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, verses very familiar to all of us here. The Bible says this, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Even unto the end of the world. Amen. These are the last words Jesus spoke before he ascended up to heaven. He's looking out at these 500 or so people that were gathered there before him who had come to hear him give his last uh, commission, his last words before he would go up. And his last words ought to be our greatest call. And what were those words? He said that you, the future church leaders that are going to go out and establish the church. Uh, you, your job is to give the gospel to every creature. Preach it. Preach the good news of Jesus Christ. You've been given salvation. Don't hide it. Boy, let it exude out of your pores. My grace has changed you. You share that grace with the world and you witness. And you know what? It doesn't just stop there, but you're also to get those folks Baptize. You're to get them to publicly identify about and uh, make an outward expression of their inward decision. They are to get baptized. And then after you see them baptized, you are to work to disciple them. Luke 14, 27 says, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I'm afraid that independent Baptists for years have been a concern with getting someone to bow their head and pray a prayer. And then after that, we leave them there and we don't work to get them down the aisle and into the baptistry pool. And then after that, we don't work to actively disciple them so they can grow in the Lord. My friend, it is just as much the commission of Christ to see the saved baptized and the baptized discipled as it is to see the lost saved. And we must take uh, we must take uh, the, the matter of this commission that the Lord has given the church seriously. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said to Peter, he said, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God put a, or rather there is a gate around hell, not just to keep people out, but to keep the people that are in there in so that they don't come out and, 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 and get out. Uh, and, and they would be the greatest soul winners there ever were. If people could get out of hell and come back to earth, they would walk around and preach the gospel. Uh, like never before. Hey, you don't want to go where I've been. It is the church's job to preach the work of Christ. Now, I want you to picture with me. Jesus Christ is standing there and he's getting ready to ascend. And he's telling his disciples, I've done my work. I've ascended or rather I've died for sin. I've paid the price for sin and I've risen for the dead. 
I've done my job so that the world can be saved. Now, I'm going to hand off to you, the church, the responsibility of telling everyone. Telling everyone. Now, I believe part of the reason why churches are dwindling down and dying in uh, 2019 and our church is going and growing is because so many churches are nothing more than a Christian country club. Let's get together with people that look like us and, and believe what we believe and are, are about the same socioeconomical class. I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about churches at large. And let's just uh, have a good time and then we'll go all, all go out to eat together after church and, and we'll all feel good about things. And when you become inward focused, you die. You got to be outward focused. And Jesus is standing there and he's saying, I'm giving you, I'm giving you a mission statement. And that is to give the gospel to the lost, see them get saved, get them down the aisle and get them baptized and then teach them the word of Christ. Now, uh, every successful company has a well-written mission statement and those that are successful, they work hard to follow that mission statement. And the church has its mission statement and it is Matthew 28, 19 and 20, we're to go in all the world, we're to preach the gospel to every creature, we're to baptize, we're to disciple. That is the mission statement of the church. It is the church's commission. White Oak Baptist Church, I commend you as a whole for being constant and careful to give out the gospel. Prior to church this evening, I looked over at our church rack, our, our track rack, our, our, our brochures rack that have the gospel in them. And other than the Spanish tracks out there, completely wiped out. Completely wiped out. Uh, I go into stores and I go into businesses around here and I see our tracks everywhere. How many of you have ever been out and about and have seen one of our tracks laying somewhere uh, about? You know what that is? That is a church that is concerned with carrying out the Great Commission. And White Oak Baptist Church, I commend you on doing a good job. But we all can grow. We all can do better. Let's not forget the church has a commission. Number two, notice a capable church, a capable church. God did not just give us a commission and not enable us to do it. Letter a notice his power given. Look down with me at Acts chapter one and verse number eight. Look here, but ye shall receive power when after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. What was he saying here? Jesus was telling the church, I'm going to leave you and I'm going to send the engine to come in and possess you. The engine, the engine of the church, the engine of the Christian. What makes us a temple is that the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, he inhabits us. The temple in the Old Testament is where God rested in that place amongst his people. If you go back to the tabernacle, the tabernacle was right dead center of how the Israelites camp. Uh, God was in the center of his people and God is in the center of you if you're saved in the form of the Holy Ghost. And that Holy Ghost is God empowering us as uh, empowering you and I and and empowering all of us to take forth the good news of Jesus Christ. He has given us his power. Now, the question, Christian, tonight isn't, do you have the Holy Ghost? If you're saved, you have the Holy Ghost. The question is, does the Holy Ghost have you? Are you surrendered to him? 
Are you allowing his power to flow through you and on to others? What evidences are there? What material evidences are there in your life that the Holy Ghost is using you in a powerful way? You see, um, if we're going to know the power of God, we must first learn the submission of the Christian. The more we submit to God, the more of his power we know. I'm afraid for much of my Christian life and much of the Christian lives of the people that I've been around and noticed and, and observed. It's, it's not been a Holy Ghost driven work. It's been a flesh power driven work. Look how much I can do for God instead of look how much God can do through me. And as a church, boy, there is no limit to what we can do in the greater Stratford area if we will invite the Holy Spirit to take control of each one of us and move through us and use us in a great way. You know, for God to tell these uh, uh, leaders of the early church that they were to they were to go and reach the world with the story of Jesus, that was no small task, no short order. That was hard. But you know what? God gave them his power. And you know what happened? It was said by others who were not Christian. These men have turned the world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you say, oh, well, we're way more heathen today than they were back then. I don't think so. Nero burned down Rome and, and, and had Christians eaten by lions in Colosseums. Last I checked, none of us are at risk of any of that. Christianity was hated. Christians were persecuted all throughout the New Testament. But they went and they gave the gospel and they were serious about it. And the world was flipped upside down by the gospel. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was working through them. Because they gave themselves wholeheartedly to the Holy Spirit. Let her be noticed. Its purpose or his purpose accomplished. His purpose accomplished. Now, I'm not going to read the passage tonight because we're trying to get out of here with a snowstorm. But First Peter 2, let me just read you a couple of excerpts here. Verse 4, to whom coming as unto a living stone disallowed indeed of men but chosen of God and precious ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house in holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices accepted to God by Jesus Christ what is the purpose of the church the purpose of the church is to come together and have a place where we can exhort one another where we can encourage one another where we can help one another it is a place that is capable. Listen, the church was not just put here and told to, to occupy until the Lord comes and let's just hold on and, 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 and preach the same old dusty sermons and sing the same old dusty songs and pass out the same old tracks and, and, and just kind of have a, well, just hold on till Jesus comes back attitude. No, the church is meant to be a place on the offense. The church is meant to be a place that holds up the powerful word of God and preaches it forth and lives are changed. And we go out and we see the purpose of God accomplished, not only in us, but through us to others. 
Oh, yes, individually in the workplace, but together as on Tuesday nights, we go out and minister to those who have recently visited our church or in the hospitals or are discouraged on Saturdays as we knock on doors and we go soul winning and we invite people to uh, uh, to know uh, the, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we do that together. We are a capable church. We are a church that can do it, but we are a church that must submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God so that he works through. Number three, notice a connected church, a connected church. Now, if we're going to do the work of the Lord, we must get along in the process. We must be connected one to another. Letter A, notice connected by peace, connected by peace. Look at Acts chapter one and verse number 12. So they've left this um, by the way, you th- do you think the or do you think these 500 people that were standing there going like this when Jesus ascended a couple of hours later? Do you think they haven't gotten picked on a little bit in heaven? I might pick on them when I get there. I don't know. Probably not because they're way more spiritual than I'll ever be. But uh, they're just standing there doing this. And God has to literally send down angels to say, hey, guys. He ain't coming back anytime soon. Go do what he told you to do. Go get to it. And you know what they did? They left and they went into a room and they got their hearts right with each other. They got rid of all of the animosity one toward another. And if you read the Gospels, you know that these disciples did not always all get along. They were fighting and bickering with each other. Look at Acts 1, verse 12. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day, Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode Peter and James and John and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon and Zelotus and Judas, the brother of James. These look here. These all continued with one accord. You know what that means? They got their hearts right with each other. There wasn't any ought between brethren. We talked about this morning the importance of forgiving one another. You cannot live beneath the spout of God's grace if you just harbor bitterness in your heart towards somebody. You can't. You got to forgive, or at least you've got to be willing to forgive uh, someone who has a problem with you. And, you. and when they come to you, you better be ready to do it. These folks got together and they got to a place where they were in one accord. That doesn't mean they were all in the same car, right? You guys have all heard the joke, right? Uh, they weren't all in one car. They were, they were together in peace. They worked things out. Now, Waduk Baptist Church, I see us as a church that for the most part gets along really well. I had someone tell me this week, they said, you know who the most talked about person at White Oak Baptist Church is? I said, who's that? He said, it's you. And I said, what? He said, it's the preacher in every church. And he said, I was listening to a preacher, and he said that his dad was a pastor, and he told himself, I will never be a pastor because I've heard more people run my dad down than I care for, and I don't want that to be me. He said, but God called me to be a pastor, and here I am. Now, I don't know. I don't suspect. Uh, I like to think the best of people. I don't think you all get behind my back and talk bad about me. Okay, I hope that's not the case. 
I have more face time than anybody else here in the church because I'm the preacher. I'm the pastor. But let me encourage you, if you have a problem with me, you need to come talk to me and to nobody else. I try to I work very hard at trying to remain approachable where you can come talk to me. Now, you may not have a problem with me, but you may have a problem with someone else who goes to church here. You may not like the way they looked at you or the way they talk or the way they treated you. Do you know our church can never accomplish what God has for it if we're not connected in peace? Before they walked out of that upper room filled with the Holy Ghost and preached and saw 3,000 saved, they first had to make sure their hearts were right with each other. I believe part of the reason why people don't go to church today is because they know about the bickering and fighting that goes on in a lot of churches. And I'm thankful that that bickering and fighting doesn't go on here publicly. But privately, if we have uh, up to uh, sometimes exceeding 200 people on this property on a Sunday morning on any given week, you can't convince me that there isn't some personality rubs and some problems between uh, some of those 200 people at some point. And I don't always hear about them. But my friend, if somebody does you wrong or you perceive that someone's done you wrong, forgive them immediately. Forgive. You have been forgiven of hell. Why can't you forgive someone because they took your seat or your parking spot or they didn't look at you the right way or their breath stunk or whatever the issue is? You got to learn to forgive. Connected by peace. Where there is sin, there is no peace. Where there is no sin, there is peace. Let peace flow through our church. Let getting along flow in our church. Let her be connected in prayer. Connected in prayer. Look at Acts 1.14 with me. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. What did they get to do? They got together. They confessed their faults one toward another. They made peace with each other. And then they got down on their knees and they prayed together. You know, for our church to really grow and go and reach the lost. By the way, I know some people look down on preachers because they say, oh, that pastor, he's just all about numbers. Oh, he just all he cares about is how many were in church on Sunday and all he cares about is growing and growing and growing. Listen, I do care about growing and uh, I care about people more than I care about any particular number. But if I'm going to follow God's plan for me to leave this church, then I've got to try to reach every lost person outside the walls of that church and show them the love of Jesus. And that ought to mean in our church, it sees people saved, baptized, and discipled. And by the way, those that have a problem with pastors being about numbers, God put a whole book in the Bible and called it Numbers. Clearly, He cares about numbers. How are we going to grow? How are we going to reach the lost? How are we going to be everything God wants us to be as a church? We've got to pray together. We've got to pray together. Wednesday evenings, we have been taking certain weeks and uh, uh, getting having you get with another church member here and get down on your knees and pray together. And I would encourage you to do that. Our ladies class has been meeting early on Sunday mornings and uh, uh, getting together and partnering in prayer for our church services. We need husbands and wives to bend together in prayer. We need brothers in the church to get together all on their own and pray. Maybe you can meet together for breakfast before 
before you all head off to work someplace and pray or meet here at the church and pray or sit in a car together and pray. We need the ladies of the church to pray. We must pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. Does prayer move the heart of God? Yes, it does. Does prayer bring down the power of God? Yes, it does. And if we're going to be a church that's connected together, we must connect to each other through prayer. We are a church. We are a commissioned church. We are a capable church. We are to be a connected church. Number four, we are to be a compassionate church, a compassionate church. Letter A, notice a place of healing or rather a place of helping. Excuse me, a place of helping. Look at Acts chapter six with me in your Bibles. Turn over there. Acts chapter six and verse number one. The message tonight is not to uh, um, uh, not meant to convince anyone that church is important. It's more because you're here tonight and it's snowing outside. So clearly you believe in church. But uh, the purpose of the message tonight is maybe just to rally the troops and encourage you to, uh, to to be as excited and as involved in church as possible. Look at Acts six, verse number one. And in those days, when the number of the disciples were multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the 12 called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out uh, among you, seven men of honest report, full of Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the and, and the ministry of the word. This is where the position of deaconship was born born. It was born because the church was growing so fast and the, the pastors of the church were just busy studying the Bible to help, uh, help people in that way. And, uh, uh, the needs of the widows were being neglected. And so they called the disciples together, the members of the church, and they said, we need to find seven men who can serve the needs of the people. They picked seven men who were filled with the Holy ghost, who were preaching soul winning men, and had them minister to the needs of the people. You know what church is supposed to be? It's supposed to be a place where you can come and help others. You can come and help others. How many of you here have ever come to church with a hurting heart, a broken heart, a discouraged heart, and you walked away from church, and because something somebody said to you, or being around your siblings in Christ, you left encouraged and feeling like you had hope that everything is going to be okay. Has that ever happened to anybody here tonight? You know what church is supposed to do? It's supposed to help us. It's supposed to be help us. There are Sundays where I have arrived at church with a dark cloud over my head of discouragement. And I got up and I gave the word of God to people. I had conversations with folks. A word was spoken in the hallway by somebody in my direction. And I left encouraged, left encouraged. It's supposed to be a, be a place of helping. It's to be a place of helping. You know that if you enjoy being helped at church, you must be willing to help others at church. You must be willing to help others. Let her be notice a place of healing. A place of healing. I'll read for you here, James 5.16. It's a verse many of you here would have memorized. 
It says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. Listen to this part that ye may be healed. Ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer. There's that praying connected through prayer. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Church is a place of healing. To be honest with you, I've been hurt plenty at different churches I've attended. But the amount of healing that I've done compared to the amount of hurting I've experienced, the healing far outweighs the hurting. What do we do here at White Oak Baptist Church? Well, we visit the fatherless and the widows. We comfort broken hearts. We counsel hurting and sometimes broken relationships. We knock on the doors of strangers here in the area to share with them the love of Jesus. We teach and preach the healing balm of Scripture. We see lives transformed through the gospel regularly. We weep with the brokenhearted. We comfort the feeble-minded. We minister to the addicted. We visit the sick and the elderly. We help mold and shape young minds with a powerful truth of the Bible through our children's ministry. As a church, White Oak Baptist Church, we make an eternal difference. We're a place of healing. We're to be a place of healing. Why do Baptist Church ought to be a hospital? It ought to be a hospital where the spiritually wounded come and receive the Word of God. How many of you here understand that if you go, it's good to go to the doctor's visit, not only when you're sick. You all understand that? They call those well checkups, I believe, versus sick checkups. You go get a physical and make sure that if there's anything that's even kind of maybe your cholesterol level is getting a little high. Maybe you could become pre-diabetic or you are pre-diabetic. You go get these checks done prior uh, prior to being sick to prevent you from getting sick. And our church is meant to be that as well. You may come here and what you hear might be preventative. It keeps you from getting sick down the road. But our church is to be a place of healing, a place of of healing, a compassionate church. Does if God were to come down and give our church a grade on our level of compassion, what kind of grade would he give us? If he were to give you as a member of this church, a disciple of Christ, a grade on being compassionate, what grade would he give you? I finished up the message this evening. Number five, a competent church, a competent church. Now I'm going to speak very plain right here. I'm going to speak to the core of the church. I believe everybody that's here is a regular attendee or member. Did you know that when we order tracks, tracks, gospel tracks, that we got to cut a check to pay for them? Everybody aware of that? Did you know that every month we have a light bill come in the mail? Did you know that in order for us to support all of our missionaries, we must cut dozens of checks to make that happen? Poor Brother Owens signs every one of them every month. He's going to get carpal tunnel syndrome just from signing checks. Here's the reality. For our church to function, our church must be funded. It must be funded. 
Now, I don't say this to anybody's shame. I just say this to speak the truth. I've been the pastor here for two and a half years. It has been my heartbeat for our church to be able to put enough money away where we have a little bit of an emergency cushion. Where if we have a low offering because of a snowfall, we don't land in emergency mode. In the two and a half years I've been here, we've paid off some debt. We've paid off a lot of debt. We've gotten out from underneath a heavy credit card debt. And we have uh, put $170,000, I believe it is, toward the principal of our mortgage. Praise the Lord for that. But the truth is, we are living hand to mouth. Hand to mouth. Uh, I have a strong faith in God that God's going to get us through. I can say, I can stand up here and honestly say that I have never lost one week of sleep over the giving of our church. Not once. Even when I knew that the money just wasn't there and we didn't know how we were always going to pay things. I, I, I really believe that the person in our church that has one of the most stressful jobs is Mrs. Rivera. If she sees the finances every day she comes into work. She has to sit there and pay the bills. Her and brother owns work together on, on getting that done. Um, I would love for us as a church to get to a place where we give out of our abundance. We give out of grace. We give to a place where we can be competent as a church, where we can function fully and freely in the giving. I was sitting down with Brother Segru prior to the message, uh, prior to the beginning of the service this evening, getting some input from him on the sermon this morning and asking him uh, uh, what he thought of it and if he had heard that perspective on giving before. And here was the comment Brother Segru made to me. He said, if everybody in our church would just tithe, we'd have way more money than we would know what to do with. We wouldn't need to raise money to fix up the building." We just have it. Brother Owens, is that true? You believe? Putting you on the spot here. Put us in a... You ought to be a lawyer. I like the way you choose your words. Put us in a different position. Now, to circle back around to my message this morning, clearly not everyone in this church has enough faith to give 10%. But do you have enough faith to give something to the work of the Lord? The old, the old, um, so for anyone watching online that would be a skeptic, the old criticism of pastors, and I got to tell you that this is somewhat deserved by church at large. The old criticisms of pastors of preaching on money too much is they say, well, pastors are just looking to get rich. I can tell you this right now. Nobody at White Oak Baptist Church employed here is getting rich. Nobody. In fact, our assistant pastors... What they make is flat out pathetic. But it's what we can afford to pay them. What I make is is equivalent to a middle class salary. And I'm not looking for a raise. You know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for money to print more tracks so we can be more creative in getting the gospel out to the world. So why do Baptist Church can do its job, can do its job. So we're not limited in that way. Look at Acts chapter four, verse thirty two with me. We looked at these verses this morning and we see the attitude of these folks here and the multitude of them that believed 
were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought to uh, that ought of the things that uh, that he possessed was his own. But they had all things common and with great power. Uh, the the apostles uh, gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. I long for a day where the offerings of the church so far exceed our budgetary needs, where we're able to really begin to think big and plan big and do big things for God. This doesn't come from one wealthy person in the church opening up their checkbook and writing a huge check. No, because that money eventually will be used up. This comes from a groundswell movement of people saying, God, I'm going to purpose in my heart that I will give according to the grace that you've showed me. And in the way that you showed me. And so tonight, let us commit with all of our heart that we will make the church a place of competency, a place that is able to accomplish its goal, a place that can. uh, Let's see. Let's go back through the points here. In fact, say them with me as I pause. Say the word that goes in the blank. Number one, a commission church. Ready again. Number one, a commission church. Number two, a capable church. Number three, a Connected church. Number four, a compassionate church. And number five, a competent church. Let's let White Oak Baptist Church be that. So we can go and grow for the Lord. This, this, uh, all day today, I've preached messages that have been meant to emphasize the importance of finances at our church. Let me just back that up by saying that I don't know who here gives what. And I'm not going to start beginning to know who here gives what. But God knows. But God knows. And I would just ask you this. Are you giving to the Lord as he would have you give? Or are you limiting what God could do back to you? Given it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaking together, running over, shall men give into your bosoms. Let's have a competent church. Let's emphasize and focus on the importance of this local church. Lord, tonight... We're thankful that you have brought us here together. Lord, I am grateful, abundantly grateful to be the pastor of such fine people. Lord, people that love you. People that are faithful to church. No doubt most of the people in this room read their Bible and pray daily. They care deeply for souls. Lord, it is a privilege to get to work alongside with and partner with these great people. Lord, help us never to lose focus on how important our church is, how that it is a beacon of light in such a dark world. Help us to do our part to proclaim the good news forward in Jesus name. Amen.